0: Hey there, stick around for Legal Squeaks and check out what it takes to get your veterans disability benefits. Hi, I'm Dennis Vandergast. Being an attorney, I know that the law can get confusing. In Legal Squeaks, we provide you with useful and easy to understand squeaks of information on legal and consumer issues that you can apply in your daily life. Let's get started. Hi there, welcome to Legal Squeaks. I'm your host, Dennis VanderGinst, And before I introduce my guest today and our topic, I'd like to ask you to be sure to subscribe to Legal Squeaks on your favorite podcast platform. It's free, it's easy, and we'd be so grateful. You can also check out the video version of this podcast and all of our podcasts by going to LegalSqueaks.com. So my guest today is Eric Bodo, an attorney with VanderGinst Law. Uh, And the topic that we'll be discussing is veterans disability benefits. Part of the mission at our law firm is to help people in the courtroom with respect to injury related matters. And also outside of the courtroom, we, we try to focus our attention on helping a number of different groups to which we all owe a debt of gratitude. One of those groups would certainly be active military and military veterans. Veterans are not only deserving of our thanks for their service, but they also deserve the benefits that they earned by virtue of serving their country. But frequently, that process, getting those benefits approved and in place is complicated and lengthy, and it's quite the process. So... Um, Fortunately, at Vandergate's Law, we have several attorneys who have become certified to help veterans with those issues. There are other attorneys and other folks throughout the country who can assist with that as well. Uh, In our office, primarily our focus is on assisting veterans in obtaining their service-related disability benefits. There's also a whole other uh, process for for getting pension uh, benefits in place and things of that nature. Uh, so Eric's here to discuss those benefits and that process a bit. Um, so Eric, thanks for being here. Thank you, Dennis. Appreciate it. You bet. Um, I want you to just feel free to jump on in. And, and by the way, uh, those folks who who are checking us out on the video version of this podcast, uh, I, I am flying my colors today. I'm wearing my Cubs shirt because they have vaulted into a tie for first place in the Central D- Division, so I have to show, um, you know, show them my, my support. So those of you who are listening, that's what I'm wearing. Those of you who are watching and wondering why, that's what I'm wearing uh, today. I know it's not very lawyerly of me, but n- nonetheless, there you have it. So with that caveat, I will let you roll on with, uh, with uh, what you have to say about VA benefits.
1: Thank you, Dennis. And just by way of a brief comment, I, I- I appreciate your good taste. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's always helpful, I think, to give people a little bit of an idea how some of the, uh, what the lay of the land might be on these concepts, because VA is sort of its own little universe, and a lot of the legal concepts involved are pretty complicated. So just by way of brief introduction, I'll start by setting aside or rather clarifying a very important point, and that is, who can make a claim for veteran benefits? Well, surprisingly, veterans can do that. (laughs) <laughs> but it's not as obvious as it sounds. Um, even though it's, yes, veterans get the benefits, who qualifies as a qualified veteran is a different issue. So very briefly, 38 U.S.C. 101, subparagraph 2, defines an eligible veteran as a person who served in the military and received a discharge under conditions other than dishonorable. So in other words, to break it down, You have to have seen active service and you have to have had a discharge that was either general or an honorable discharge. Uh, So, as you can tell, the eligibility for most benefits is based on the nature of the discharge and the existence of discharge from active duty. Uh, Therefore, it's important that you keep your discharge paperwork. Uh, That's step one because you might need that. Now, it can be researched, it can be looked up, but it's much easier if you have it accessible, so something to keep in mind on that point um, also there is a exception to that rule and that is there's a pre-discharge program for disability compensation under certain circumstances for active members of the military a claim can be filed up to 180 days prior to the known separation date uh, under what's called the benefits delivery at discharge program or bdd so that is sort of an exception to the general concept that you have to be a a non-active veteran uh, when you apply for benefits. Uh, there's also something to note, and that is that there's a system in place for all branches of the service which allows for review of discharge status. So even if uh, you were discharged under circumstances other than honorable or general, you can request review uh, of your discharge status in the hope that you might be upgraded in order to qualify for benefits. Right. So that's and also it- something to know.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's important to, to bring up. I'm aware of several situations where that comes up and people are successful in getting their discharge status upgraded and then qualifying for, for benefits. So I'm glad you, you pointed that out.
1: Sure, sure. And then beyond veterans themselves, of course, uh, qualified family members can also qualify for benefits. And for purposes of today's podcast, I'm just going to concentrate on disability benefits uh, because of our time limitations, and of course, there's a lot of involved concepts. So, right. in addition to veterans, keep in mind that their qualified family members can also obtain benefits. And usually that's in the nature of benefits after the death of the veteran, uh, for, for example, benefits that had not yet been paid out. Uh, with regard to that, uh, of course, a lot. Law- will provide very specific qualifications for those members. Uh, specifically it includes a surviving spouse. Um, but of course there are there are aspects to that as well in, in terms of the fact that the spouse has to have been married at least one year prior to the date of the death of the veteran uh, or had a child with the veteran. Also children of the veteran of course can qualify. Um, you generally they have to be under 18 years of age, unmarried But it's important to note that the the children definition includes not only biological, but adopted and stepchildren in most cases. Uh, Also children from 19 to 23 years of of age and still in school can qualify for benefits as can disabled and dependent adult children. Lastly, and some people don't realize this, surviving parents uh, can also qualify for benefits. Uh, So it goes beyond just a spouse and kids.
0: Yeah, and I think it it's important here to also mention since you you mentioned the surviving spouse uh and the need to to have been married for a year. I believe is that correct? That's correct. correct. Um that um you know, common law marriages can qualify and that it, that is in in place in in certain states. Uh and there are some other exceptions where are there are there have been issues I know where it's been um, determined that Folks who were originally thought not to qualify because they had they either weren't uh, officially married uh, or they didn't uh, have the requisite time in the marriage um, somehow were they were able to still have that adjudicated and qualify. So, folks that are that are listening in and wondering, hmm, do I qualify regard as a surviving spouse given? whatever your living arrangements were, and I think that has something to do with it, you know, where you're putting yourself out as married for that period of time, etc. Um, you know, don't just assume that you don't qualify, you, you know, get someone to look at it, uh, your specific situation to determine whether or not you still may.
1: No, absolutely. There are often exceptions to every rule. And of course, uh, what we're discussing today are generalities for the most part. So, right. you know, that's something, of course, to keep in mind. And again, it's a good idea to consult an attorney because there are so many exceptions and, and occasions that might not fit the, the pattern, so to speak. Right. Um, I think the next issue, I guess, is, you know, what is a qualified, what is a disability for purchases of the VA? Well, it's important to note that disability doesn't include merely the uh, physical, like a physical injury but it could also include a chronic ailment. It can include uh, mental conditions, mental health issues. Um, some examples would be, for example, of diabetes, uh, pain disorders, eye disorders, gastrointestinal disorders. Of course, PTSD is very common, anxiety issues. Um, and any of these that developed before, during, or after service, depending on how they link causally to the service itself. Right. Uh, so again, there's another big issue: what is causally related? Well, that's that's I think I think a topic for another time. Yeah, for uh, sure. Right, but um, that though that's what we're talking about. It's more than just a simple injury, you know, an isolated event in itself. Right. Um, so, if you are a veteran or a qualifying family member, and there is a disability, the question is: well, what are the what types of benefits might be be available? Well. Well Eric
0: just a moment before you get sure. into the the types of benefits I I do think um you know you raise a, a good point with the the uh, examples of of uh ailments that might qualify and yes you have you have to get into the causation issue to to determine whether it um these ailments were caused by or aggravated by uh service related activities but a lot of folks I think again aren't aware well you know Diabetes was a, a, a good example. You know, a lot of times people aren't necessarily going to connect that to service um, to, as a service-related uh, uh, qualifying disability. But there are obviously instances where these conditions, which may have been pre existing were aggravated by service-related activities. So, again, don't rule out the, the possibility of exploring uh, the ailments that you might be suffering from as being service-related or being aggravated by service-related activities.
1: Exactly. And in terms of the disability compensation, we're going to kind of explore that. It'll interconnect with the causation question. So in terms of disability compensation, basically it provides a monthly tax-free payment to a veteran who was sick or injured while serving in the military, of course, and to veterans whose service made an existing condition worse, for example. okay. Um, and there are essentially three types. Uh, the first is direct service connection claims, okay? So these are disabilities directly related to or caused by service in the military, the military service itself. Um, and essentially, that it has three elements to it. The first being, you have a current disability, whether it be, again, physical, psychological. Um, there is some medical, or even in some cases, lay evidence Of an in-service event, causal event, plus the resulting illness or injury. And so you have a medical evidence um, of a causal nexus between the service and the injury itself. So that's under the rubric of direct service connection. In other words, the injury or condition is directly related to the service. The second category would be secondary service connection, meaning that you have a condition resulting from that service connected condition. So in other words, you have an injury or an illness caused by your service directly, and there is an event that's identifiable during the course of service causing this. Okay? You then have that condition, which then leads to a, a subsequent condition. That subsequent condition can also qualify. Okay? So it need not be the initial um, event or the initial injury that was caused. It can be something resulting from that.
0: Right. Uh, do, you well. have a good, do you have an example of that, Eric? Uh,
1: certainly. Well, oftentimes if you have an orthopedic injury, natural musculoskeletal injury, uh, mm-hmm. that injury can result in subsequent problems. For example, if you have postural deficits as a result of a fracture or something like that, uh, oftentimes your posture and your gait are affected, which can then lead to back problems. Uh, right. So something can compound on itself, and that's exactly what's recognized here.
0: Yeah, and I think you know another uh, good example would be when you do – Develop a a a problem, a physical problem, but because of the physical problem, perhaps you develop some emotional or mental uh, uh, issues. Um, PTSD, for instance, you know you, you may have a physical component, and then develop PTSD uh, as a result of the same same activity that caused that that physical problem.
1: Sure, another good example. Absolutely. Uh, the third category would be presumptive service related connections, and that's very limited. Uh, it can occur, for example, with use of, of chemicals, like Agent Orange is a good example, historically. Uh, if something like that occurs, it's presumptively related to the military service. Um, finally, you can also make claim for disability compensation for non-service related disabilities under certain circumstances. Uh, one of the, the primary one would be, um, for example, if the disability is caused by the treatment of veteran received at a VA facility, um, so if the v, if the vet goes in for care at a VA related service facility um, and they are injured uh at that facility during the course of care or treatment, they then would also have a claim. It's sort of the VA equivalent of a medical malpractice case right. in a civil context generally. Um so that's one I that's one aspect of non specifically not service related, but is right. sort of an exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, Also, if the disability was proximately caused by the veteran's participation in a Chapter 31 rehab program, for example, or a 1728 work therapy program, um, again, they can make a claim for that injury, and it does not require a showing of negligence. Uh, Also, uh, these things can be claimed by the spouse who can get the DIC benefits. And we're going to talk about DIC in just a minute. um, So it's something to keep in mind. So don't feel that you're limited. You know, if it's not necessarily caused by your service, there are other avenues available and oftentimes people aren't aware of the bigger picture.
0: Perfect. Exactly.
1: All right. Uh, From a mechanic standpoint, from a practical standpoint in terms of making a claim for disability compensation, basically (laughs) the application process itself is not, it's not simple either, but it is doable. It's navigable. So basically the first step would generally be to file an application for disability compensation form or an ADC, an Application for Disability Compensation form. Uh, form 21526EZ is generally the, the avenue, okay? And that's for occasions where that has never before applied for a uh, service connection injury or something like that. Um, if you're reviewing a former claim, there's a whole other form for that. Generally, you'd mail or fax the application to the VA in Janesville, Wisconsin for our geographic region. Uh, or you can do it online at eBenefits or you can contact the attorney and the attorney can upload all this information for you of course which is one of the advantages of doing that you can also go to www.benefits.va.gov forward slash compensation forward slash mailing to get the mailing address if you are not necessarily in the jamesville regulated geographic area uh, please note that filing an adc the application for disability compensation form does not set an effective date for benefits. In order to set a, an effective start date for your benefits claim, you'd actually need to file a, what's called an intent to file form before filing the ADC. That would set your start date. Now, if you file an, an ADC, theoretically, you could get retroactive benefit, benefits then from the time you file that uh, the intent to file form. Uh, it's right. a little complicated again. So again, there's forms involved. But it's, it's not that bad. There's the ADC, and then there's an intent to file preceding it if you want to preserve your start date at that point. okay. Which you do. Which you generally do, right. Now, if right. you file online, if you file an online application, uh, uh, an ADC online, then it includes the intent to file. Okay. So be, be aware of that. If you do it online and you, you file the ADC that way, your start date is right there. Yeah. Okay. Um, There is some question I've heard uh, about fully developed claim versus filing a a standard claim for disability. Um, In a fully developed claim, basically, it's a situation where the veteran themselves obtains their records and documents, uh, which is usually the VA's job. Um, Mm -hmm. And if the vet has all the evidence they need to proceed with the claim, uh, other than the examination that might be required. They might get a faster decision through the VA, but if the VA, but see if the VA needs more, they're gonna have to convert it to a standard claim anyway, in which case you'll have to go through the rubric anyway. Um so there there is maybe some advantage to a fully developed claim, but it's more work for the veteran who probably doesn't have a lot of experience in this. Um the standard claim is a a safer way to go. It makes the VA do the legwork for you. And oftentimes if the fully developed claim isn't done properly, it'll convert anyway. Right. Uh, So that's something to keep in mind. In terms of the evidence you're going to be looking at, the VA is going to review the service medical records. That's the primary source of evidence. uh, And they may or may not, most likely would require an exam. Uh, So that's what you're going to need, along with your discharge records and other evidence. For that question, in terms of what you would need to present, you can go to www.benefits.va.gov forward slash f as in frank d as in dog c forward slash checklist dot asp and that's a a kind of a good resource to kind of get a sense of what it is you you might need okay now i think we probably need to have some at least fundamental understanding of disability ratings okay so when you make a claim for disability benefits the va is going to set a rating after of course after reviewing all the documentation after uh, considering the evidence in the case and most likely an examination, they're going to set your disability rating. Now, the VA uses a scale from zero to 100 percent disability. Benefits, any compensation does not start at one, two or three. It starts when you hit 10 percent disability. That's mm-hmm. that's sort of the, the door. <laughs> you have to walk right. through that door before you get any benefits. Um, compensation starts at 10 percent. 100 percent is is what they call regular or permanent and total. Uh, disability. And current monthly rates for disability vary. So at 10% level, you're looking at around $142.29 a month currently, up to about $3,106.04 for 100% per month. Now, keep in mind, again, that's tax-free money that you're getting from the VA on a monthly basis. Now ratings can be either permanent or non-permanent. So a disability can either be non-permanent or a permanent condition. Non-permanent disability ratings are subject to change by the VA, and therefore the VA may require an updated exam, which is generally referenced or called a compensation and pension exam or CNP exam. Uh, that way they can determine whether or not your condition has in fact improved, warranting a reduced, uh, a reduced rating. Uh, with a non-permanent condition, they could reduce the rating based on new findings of sustained improvement under ordinary conditions of life. In fact, that's the wording that's used, sustained improvement under conditions of normal life, meaning that the improvement can't be simply temporary or transitory because a lot of conditions will feel better for a while, but -hmm. still exist. Um, However, if the VA is gonna reduce the rating, changing the actual amount of compensation, then the VA must issue notice of any proposed reduction and give the vet uh, 60 days to submit evidence and 30 days to request a hearing. So if they're gonna change your Current disability rating and reduce it, thereby affecting your benefit amount. They have to give you notice of that you're going to be involved in that. You have to be notified. You can present evidence, contrary evidence, and have a hearing on the matter. But now, yeah.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to uh, interrupt. But uh, if you have a temporary rating and um, you feel that uh, the rating is is not accurate because you it, it your condition has worsened. Uh, I know there's an appeal process, but does uh, will that be something that the VA will uh, initiate on occasion, or is that usually going to be the veteran or their representative who's going to initiate that?
1: Yeah, no. Generally, it's in your best. It, it's going to be the veteran or the veteran's representative for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's in your best interest to be have someone aware of that. So there's essentially two processes for that. You can well three. You can appeal, but you can also file a supplemental claim. If you have new evidence showing a, a worsening of the conditions so since the last rating, if the last rating is less than a year old and you have new evidence, a filing of a supplemental claim would be the route to go. The other cl- the other route to go would be to file for an increased rating, just to simply file for an increased rating, and that's if the last rating is over a year old. Okay, so those okay. are your, your your options to do that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, okay. Now, in the event of a permanent disability rating. Um, If it's reasonably certain based on medical evidence that the level of impairment will continue for the rest of the veteran's life, then generally the condition is going to be qualified as permanent. Now, that qualification is often age dependent. So, for example, a younger veteran is going to have a harder time getting a permanency rating than someone who's older. Okay. Uh, Now, if this determination is made, then the reexaminations won't be required, which is different, of course, than the non-permanent condition where they will on occasion, have you re-examined to assess if that rating is still accurate? Okay. If you're 100% rated, permanent, and total disability, rating will not ne- should not ever be reduced. Now, that brings us to the uh, the topic of protected ratings. Okay. So, you can be rated you can be rated non-permanent, permanent, and from anywhere from zero to 100%. Right. We've already discussed that. Now, at certain points along that scale, a rating can become what was called protected. In other words, it can't be reduced. If you have the same rating for over 20 years, 20 is the magic number when it comes to protected ratings. If you have the same disability rating for over 20 years, then it's considered continuous and for the most part generally can't be reduced. Mm -hmm. So, again, that's something to keep in mind, that the length of time you're experiencing this condition is, of course, a major factor. Right. And uh, we already discussed, I think, to some degree how veterans can increase the rating. Uh, by appeal, the supplemental claim, and just simply filing for an increased rating. So those are the three options there. <clears throat> now, excuse me. There is another facet to disability benefits, and that is the total disability individual unemployability rating, or TDIU. This is not a claim in itself. It's actually a way to kind of supplement your rating under the dis- disability benefit uh, aspect of things. So total disability individual unemployability essentially means that if service if you have a service connected disability which prevents substantial substantially gainful employment then you can get compensation benefits at 100% pay rate even if the composite if a combination of service related disability doesn't exceed 100% so in other words if you have a a disability a qualifying disability and you're on the rating scale as a qualified disab- disabled veteran and that condition or injury prevents you from substantially gainful employment, in other words, you can't work because of the injury you're suffering from, then you can get additional compensation benefits through TDIU. It's a way to supplement. It's not its own claim. It's part of your uh, disability claim. And essentially, (coughs) you have to have at least one service-connected disability at 60% or greater, or if more than one, then at least one has to be at 40% and all combined for over 70%. So there's a lot of statistics here, but you have to have at least one service-connected disability at 60% or greater or a combination. Number two, you have to be incapable of securing or maintaining substantial or gainful employment due to functional limitations caused by the service-connected disability. If you have these two, then you may be entitled to TDIU. Excuse me. If not, then still you might get extra scheduler um, basis TDIU under certain circumstances, there's an exception there as well. Uh, it's a theory essential to to increase your your disability rating, is what TDIU is. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a different theory to get you a higher rating, and so it, it must be coupled with a claim for increased rating. So in other words, if you're rated at you know 30% disability, and you 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 meet the requirements of TDIU, you use that in your claim to increase your rating. So you bring your claim to an increase your rating, which is one of those three we talked about ways to do right. that. Uh, basically, you bring that in the context of your increased rating claim, and because you're unemployable, in theory your rating can go up. Okay, that's right. the that's Got the idea it. there. All right. Um, now keep in mind these disability benefits, the payments under disability benefits, don't continue after the death of the veteran. Okay. Uh, however. Qualified survivors, as I mentioned earlier, wife, children, can be entitled to compensation under what's called the Disability and Indemnity Compensation, DIC, okay?
0: You mean the dependency? I'm sorry, dependency. Yeah.
1: Dependency and Indemnity Compensation, DIC, exactly. Yeah. So now we move from the veteran themselves to the qualified family members we discussed earlier, okay? So in terms of the DIC, and I'm going to use DIC because it's a lot easier to say, that, dependency <laughs> and indemnity. Uh, and for those who don't don't know, dependency, of course, means a, a, a degree of relationship to the deceased that qualifies them legally for benefits in this context. Yeah, and
0: in and, and I guess in the con, you know, a uh, context that we're all way too familiar. Um, think think taxes when you think dependents in that right. uh,
1: <laughs> Exactly, and indemnity just means uh, compensation for something being covered for something. Uh, so. In terms of DIC, uh, it's again for vet survivors as a result of the death of the veteran uh, for the accrued unpaid benefits, for example, okay? Uh, and it applies if number one, the veteran died while on active duty, or number two, the cause of death is service related, okay? Or three, the vet was entitled to receive disability compensation for a totally disabling condition rated 100% for 10 years before death and he died of anything. But as long as he was in that disability, that 100% disability category, and died of something completely unrelated, his family members can benefit. And what you're gonna use there is the form 21P534EZ for the spouse and children. Uh, And again, we discussed briefly sort of the marriage definition. There's a different different form to be filed in the case of parents, so keep that in mind. Um, And uh, that's that's generally the gist of it. the rate for spouses in terms of the benefits they can receive under DIC is uh, 1,357.16 to 1,982 per month. Currently, uh, children, it varies. So the first child can get 573.20 per month for the first child, and then it goes down uh, by, ch- by child thereafter. And you can check out www VA slash disability Survivor or dash D I C dash R T E S forward slash hash hashtag D I C slash rates R A T E S dash if dash the dash veteran dash die.
0: I <laughs> yeah,
1: They're all they're all
0: writing it down right now. But, <laughs> I'm sure yeah, they are. <laughs> I, I, I'm just gonna jump in and just let everybody know if if these are things that you uh aren't quick on the draw to to write down and you need this information, be sure uh, to reach out and we'll provide that information directly to you.
1: Exactly. And as to DIC claims, you're going to keep in mind, you need the death certificate uh, for that claim, as well as doctor's letter to clarify the form of death. Uh, Marriage certificate to prove marriage, uh, not in all cases, uh, but it's helpful if you have it. Birth certificate for kids or adoption paperwork to establish the relationships needed. Uh, But that's generally the gist of the uh, Disability Benefits Program, both for veterans and for family members who qualify. There are, of course, a lot of other benefits available through the VA, but I think that probably merits another podcast in itself. I
0: I think you're right, and and we'll certainly uh, revisit some of those other benefits. And I appreciate, uh, Eric, um, appreciate you doing this for us and and presenting this information. Um, It's, I think, vitally important that the folks – to, to whom this is designed to benefit are aware, you know, that there are uh, opportunities out there that you might not necessarily consider. Um, you, you know, as I mentioned throughout your presentation, there are situations that arise where people aren't even aware that they may have a claim and or they're just intimidated by the process. Uh, a lot of folks will do these things by themselves, but there are attorneys, and there are uh, other uh, folks who are certified to assist uh, veterans with this process. So certainly don't uh, hesitate to reach out. So thanks for that, Eric. I appreciate it.
1: No problem at all. Thanks.
0: You bet. And again, I'd like to thank everyone uh, for checking out Legal Squeaks. You can view the video version of this podcast, as I mentioned before, at legalsqueaks.com. Uh, You can also comment and suggest topics on LegalSqueaks.com if there are certain legal topics that you'd like to hear us discuss. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast, Uncommon Convos. Uh, If you haven't done so already, we would appreciate it if you'd subscribe to Legal Squeaks and Uncommon Convos on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to check out Legal Squeaks next week when we discuss another legal or consumer issue that might impact your daily life. In the meantime, have a great day, stay safe, and I love you all.